stories online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. And on today's show, your calls, your emails, and we'll have a conversation with Gary Michael Vasey a little bit later on. Uh, he's an author of uh, several books about the uh, paranormal, and we'll get uh, some of his uh, personal stories uh, and uh, also uh, some interesting thoughts on uh, the ability to see and experience uh, the paranormal, ghosts, if you will, uh, and uh, the ability to block them out as well. Yeah. So a little bit, uh, a little bit of both uh, from him a little bit uh, later on on the show. So a little mix of everything today for you here on uh, Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I, I don't think you can be jet lagged from one hour of different uh, difference in flight, but I feel a little just off as far as my hours go today. Yeah, I do too. I felt like I got up an hour earlier than I needed to. Yeah, we uh, we just got back from uh, from uh, Savannah uh, and uh, Atlanta, uh, which is why uh, yesterday you had a, a little best of episode to enjoy. And uh, we uh, took a bunch of photos. They're up on our Facebook page. If you want to uh, check that out, uh, go ahead and uh, like us there on Facebook, and you can check all those out. Um, and uh, got to go and see some of the places that uh, some of our listeners have shared with us. We did. Over the years. It was fun. And uh, including the Pirate's House. Yeah. Which, by the way, when you walk into the Pirate's House, they have about a uh, 23-year-old man that dresses up like Captain Hook or something. Or <laughs> he looked kind of more like the Captain Morgan, actually, than anything. He did. And he greets you. Mm-hmm. And as an adult, they're kind of like, oh, that's interesting. But then I saw him later at a table with some kids. I'm like, oh, I bet the kids really love that. Oh, yeah. They're going to so. remember that. So that was uh, that was kind of neat. I did not have anything paranormal happen to me in the bathroom, as uh, some of, uh, of our letters have uh, said of their experiences. I didn't have anything paranormal happen to me the whole trip. Well, you were afraid to go to the bathroom at the pirate's house. Well, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, we, we walk out, you're like, I really got to go. I'm like, we're just, at a, uh, the, you did, what? that's why you didn't go in there? Yep. 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 So. Yeah, we they're really uh I felt really comfortable. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. It was a real beautiful city. I uh I just didn't have anything really weird happen. So sorry to report back no ghosts. And that's okay. It was nice and relaxing. Yeah. Um we, there was the one uh on the ghost tour that we went on, there was the room where they uh, said you could feel like the temperature shift a little bit, but I don't know how much that was just ventilation. <laughs> yeah, that one's a hard one to know. They said it's always in that room. Yeah, so I don't know. It was it was interesting. I uh, went on a ghost tour, and those photos are up on the website. And I took about you know, a good thirty of them. I posted up there, and uh, I didn't see anything. But more times than not, I post something, or we post our show, or something, and somebody's like, "You catch this? You catch that?" So I'm opening it up there for the world to. To analyze and you guys tell me if you see anything because I don't see anything. I didn't see anything either. But uh, beautiful town, so uh, it was a uh, a fun trip. Check out the uh, the photos there. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Let's uh, kick off the show today with a caller. Hey Tony and Jenny, this is Kat. Um, I just wanted to call and tell you my Disneyland ghost story. Well. Uh, right around 2001, I worked at Disneyland, and I was in entertainment costuming, and I worked on the show Fantasmic. And to do the show, we would all have to take a little uh, barge to the island, and we would set up on the stage right back part of the island. And then, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the show, but uh, all the performers would get on barges and go around the river and do all the performances, and then get dropped off on the other side. Well, there's one character, the pink elephant, that danced around, and they carry these really huge spandex. So it's hard to describe, but it's a costume that you step into, but then hold up these aluminum poles that are wrapped in elastic, like a big elephant. Well, they get really wet because of the fans of water. That uh, They do some projections onto the fans of water, and that whole front area gets soaked. So at the end of the night, on stage left, there's a, a little shack that we call the mill house, and you go in there and you hang up all those spandex costumes, 
so that they dry overnight, and then they can use them at the, on the performance the next day. Well, I was in there all by myself, stage left, and everybody else, the rest of the crew, were stage right. And so I was hanging these huge costumes up one at a time, and I hung a couple up, and I turned around, and I see a little boy sitting in the corner with his knees to his chest, arms wrapped around his knees, and his head down. And I gasped really loud, and I dropped what I was doing, and I just I ran. I got the hell out of there. But um, uh, that's my Disneyland story. And I have a few other ones, but uh, I'll save those for later. All right, thank you guys so much. Love the show. Bye. My question is, how do we know that it just wasn't a kid, <laughs> that it snuck in there? Because they have, you've never seen the Fantasmic show. No. They have to literally take a barge out to an island. Okay. And that's where all the the actors, I guess, are. And she had said that they were out there. So it wasn't some kid that just hopped on this barge and <laughs> rode out there. It could happen, in theory. In theory, it? it could happen. But it's not a large barge okay. by any means. It's just basically a flat floating kind of raft thing that they take out there with their costumes and the actors and everything. Okay. So he'd either have to swim over there or he's a ghost. And it sounds like, you know, she works at Disneyland. She's going to sure. know the difference between a real kid and a not real kid. We're going to hear a ghost story sometime where somebody's like, and we took this barge out to this place where the people can't go. And we saw this man walking around with sunglasses and a video camera. And then he just disappeared off into this, uh, the weeds or something. And then we'll watch an Adam the Woo video and he'll be walking around someplace he shouldn't be with sunglasses on and a video <laughs> camera. And oh, there he is. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. Well, there you go. You debunked it. Uh, it, in fact, was a ghost. You debunked my theory of it being possibly just a child. I bet you that's the first thing she would have thought. Yeah. But I would have gotten the hell out of there, too, probably without even finding out. Yeah. It's like, and then he looked up and he had black eyes. Ew. There you go. Happy holidays. 855-853-4802. Hi. Hello. My name is Skelton. This is my second time calling. I have a second story of one of the many I do have. That's true event that happened to me. Um, back in 2007, my daughters and I were living in a shelter. And... Um, in our rooms, it was so small that we had to put our clothes and stuff in these little totes that they give us to store our clothing and things like that. And, and one of them, two totes were stacked up right next to my daughter's cot. Now, my daughter was two years old at the time when this had happened, and this happened in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, one night, I felt her coming onto the bed, which I don't have a problem with that. That she scared it's fine. She can sleep with me. But a few minutes later, I heard a loud crash that happened in our room. And then I heard something running out of the room. But the doors were locked tight. You had to do the uh, bolt lock to get it unlocked. And I did not hear the door being unlocked or open or nothing. When I turned on the light to investigate what happened, all of the stuff that was in the tote toppled over right on top of my daughter's cot. But my daughter was in the bed with me. When she woke up two hours later, I asked her, Honey, did you know something like that was going to happen? How did you know to get on the bed before that happened? And she told me this, that a woman came up to her with a man and told her, Get on the bed with mommy to be safe. I firmly believe my daughter has some form of a gift. And I'm so proud that she used her sense to, to find safety with me. And my other daughter was in the other side of the room, away from the toast in her crib. And she slept very silently, but she didn't hear anything. I was the only one who heard it. And I'll be honest, that whatever that ghost was, truly saved my daughter's life. Uh, thank you, and you have a good day. Sounds like an angel-esque type thing that uh, made an appearance there. Definitely. <clears throat> I don't think... I mean, kids crawl into bed with their parents all the time, mm -hmm. but just the coincidence of it happening right before something would have fallen and potentially hurt that little girl. 
That was good. Well, and the fact that the child actually had a story, not just, oh, I just happened to jump in bed because I felt like it. You mm-hmm. know, it was, uh, it actually made sense. So, very interesting story. Thank you for uh, for calling in and sharing that with us. Our numbers 855-853-4802. If you like the show, uh, tell a, a friend about it. Maybe share a link on Facebook, Twitter. Your support, that's what keeps the show going. Gay writes in, I uh, get home late from work and get to bed around 2 a.m. I'd fallen asleep and then my eyes popped open. My nephew was standing beside my bed with a big, ornery grin on his face. My first thought was, how did he get in my room without me hearing my bedroom door open? And my second thought was, why didn't my dog alert me that sleeps with me? As I lay there, my nephew's face flew towards me. I screamed, rolled over, and turned the light on, and no one was there. I laid there shaking as it really had scared me. I've had someone tell me that it was the sleep paralysis syndrome, but I never felt like I couldn't move. I wasn't scared until he came at me. My nephew was quite alive, but I did ask his dad if my nephew looks a lot like our dad at that age. He said he had a picture of dad, and he looks a lot like my nephew. Dad died in this house nearly 30 years ago, and still as ornery as ever. Do you think it was the grandfather? I would guess so. Yeah. Um, just you think he's trying to just do a little uh, prank, just a little, little scare? Like yeah, it sounds like that was kind of his personality. Yeah, that seems yeah, kind of logical for mm-hmm. many logical situations. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with that. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Hi. Hi there. This is Renee from Holland, Michigan. Uh, it's my first time calling, so I'm a little nervous. Um, I wrote in before, and I just listened to you read my story on the Haunted Antiques EPP episode, and it was very cool to hear. I thank you for taking the time to read it. The story I have today is a shorter one. Back in fall of 2013, my friend Julie and I decided to go on an adventure. Um, Her dad had grown up in the little town of Lamont here in Michigan, and she said there was a pretty old cemetery not far from the house where he used to live, and she thought I might like to check it out because she knows how much I love the creepy and paranormal. So the two of us and my son Chris set out. It was a Saturday and a beautiful autumn day, and as we pulled into the cemetery, I noticed how pretty it was with the huge oak trees lining the drive. I'm not sure how old the cemetery is, but I know one side had headstones where the engravings were so worn you couldn't even read them anymore. So I'm guessing pretty old. Um, Now just to tell you a little bit about Julie and I, we always joke around sarcastically and laugh together. Even we're in our 40s and we can act like goofy teenagers sometimes. Now I'm not sure what we were talking about, but I made a silly comment about a hand popping up through the ground and grabbing our ankles like you see in the movies, you know, and we just laughed. And so then we ended up covering the entire cemetery and we took pictures of some of the headstones that we found interesting. And I think we were there a good hour and a half or so and it was getting dark and we left and headed back to my house. We were sitting at my kitchen table and decided to go through our photos we had taken when suddenly Julie says, um, Renee, what the hell is this? And I looked at it, and I couldn't make out anything definite, but it looked like um, gray and orange blurs and streaks. And she says, do you see that? And I'm like, no. And she says frantically, do you see the arm? And I looked a couple more seconds, and then I screamed and I jumped back um, at the top of the image was what looked like a head with pointed ears, um, like a silhouette of Batman is the best way to describe it. Then going down from there was a very detailed muscular arm, which was a glowing orange color. And at the end of the arm looked like a gray hand, very claw-like. And it was curved in such a way, like it was reaching down to grab something. And I said, oh my God, Julie, remember the joke I made about a hand reaching up out of the ground and grabbing our ankles? And we were just standing there, like, staring at each other with our eyes as big as saucers and our mouths hanging open. It was so shocking. She immediately deleted the picture. 
and said, that's so creepy and evil looking, I don't want it following me. She said it just creeped her out and she wanted it gone. But now when we talk about it, which is quite frequently, we're both like, man, we wish we still had that picture. But, you know, I just, I feel it was a ghost with a sense of humor that heard my little joke and decided, okay, the joke's on them. But, yeah, we decided that that was the start of a tradition for us, and we would go on a ghost hunting adventure every fall. So this last year, we went to Rockford, Michigan, to the supposedly haunted railroad tracks near Ten Mile Road, where the story goes, um, some years ago, there were two little girls who were playing on the tracks, and they were killed by the train and died. There have been reports of hearing them laughing, and some say they've seen them sitting in the spot where they died. And if you approach them, they will get up and walk towards you. And if you run away, um, they'll chase you. Well, what we discovered was the tracks are now gone and have been converted to a bike path. Um, it's a beautiful park, and so we had a good walk, and we did take a bunch of pictures at the spot where the girls have been reportedly seen, but nothing manifested itself this time, unfortunately. But who knows? Maybe wherever we go this year, we'll come back with an interesting story, and if we do, maybe I'll call back. Um, but that's all for now. I love the show. Take care. Bye. So I looked into the railroad crossing at 10 Mile Road in Rockford, Michigan, and there's all kinds of YouTube videos of people that have pulled up, and it's one of those, just like a regular railroad crossing, where the road goes up on both sides, Mm -hmm. and you take your foot off the gas, and there's nobody pushing the car, and the car rolls up and over out of the way. It could be an optical illusion of some sort. There's a, there's a lot of those back where I'm from in Wisconsin, where it's like the where you appear to be on a hill. Uh huh. And you know your logical thing would be your car is going to go down the hill, uh-huh. but for whatever reason it goes up. And it really, if you actually were to take a level, you would see that you, which is how unleveled you actually are in the other direction of what you appear. It's kind of like with your surroundings. Yeah. It's an optical illusion, essentially. I'm not saying that that's what that is. I'm saying that's what it could be, because that kind of sounds like that. Okay. Sort of a thing, that those things do exist. But uh, I'll have to look at those videos. That's interesting. Yeah, it's pretty creepy. And, you know, it could be one of those urban legend kind of things, but there was quite a bit online about it. Sure. And and what's creepy is when you can actually take video of places like that. And and it, it, it's interesting because as proof as, as that may seem sometimes, even when you are in those places, it's crazy. Just like what natural occurrences can happen that that can really play tricks on your eyes and make you think that something else is really going on when it when it's not but in some cases there is really something else going on it's kind of fun either way yeah it is (laughs) uh 855-853-4802 is our phone number uh letter here uh oh it's our friend oscar in dallas it is this is uh this is interesting this is uh should i read the title or just go into the story it's whatever you want to do. I'm going to go into the story because it's... Uh, oh, I'll read the title. It's about the Queen Mary. It's an engine room demon. There you go. On the Queen Mary. Uh, hi, it's Oscar in Dallas. Happy New Year. Wanted to share a recent uh, ghost story from my visit to the Queen Mary in the summer of 2013. Took my family to Los Angeles, California for our family vacation. We visited the usual spots like Disneyland, Universal Studios, and some of LA's famous areas, just to let you know. Love vintage 1920-1940 era building styles, so when I discovered that the Queen Mary was open for tours, I jumped at the chance to see the beautiful ship. So, I started to make plans to have a romantic dinner in one of the two elegant restaurants. Take a quick tour, and afterwards... I have a few drinks at one of the Queen Mary's fancy bars. And fortunately, the only time I had to visit the Queen Mary was a night. So the only tours they offer were the ghost tours. I really don't want to do anything paranormal at the time. I know myself. I didn't want a spirit to attach to me, especially on my vacation. Not knowing the area, we decided to leave our downtown L.A. hotel around 7 at night. Didn't realize how far the Queen Mary's was from L.A., so we arrived at the Queen Mary around 9 at night. You see, we got really lost, especially at night. Finally, 
we arrived at the Queen Mary, and from afar, the ship looks beautiful, so the drive was worth it. I didn't realize how huge the Queen Mary really is until you saw it, see it for yourself just sitting there. Excitement with a mix of anxiety came over me as the ship resembled the Titanic. Once on board, the inside was very majestic and captures the era it was born in. On the first level, you have a bar filled with adventure seekers and locals. The ship has two restaurants and several displays with old antiques displayed like a museum. Just because we had two, we reenacted the Titanic scene where Jack is teaching Rose to fly in the front of the Titanic. After touring the Queen Mary on our own, we decided to buy the Paranormal Ship Walking Tour because the tour takes you into areas closed off from the public and other tours, especially the engine room. I was surprised how many people showed up for the paranormal tour. We began to meet the other couples in the group. Some had kids, others were newly married, but they all were overall pretty nice. The tour guide was a local paranormal investigator. He was a big guy, seems to take his job a little too serious, but he was cool and professional. Our tour guide had an arsenal of cool tools to use on our investigation that he shared with the group. We began at the top of the boat, which was more of a history than a ghost hunt at this point. The tour didn't get interesting until we reached the bottom part of the boat. By the way, the tour didn't end till three in the morning, so by the time we started to investigate the the sub-level of the ship, it was pretty late. This is when the shit got real. While in the ship infirmary, the tour guide turned off the lights and called on the spirits of the men that passed away in the room. Remember, we are in a pitch-black room. My Scooby sense started to kick in. I started to feel pressure on the back of my head, and my ears started to get hot. I know from experience, my body is telling me something or someone was there with us in the darkness. Suddenly, I felt someone brushing against my arm, kind of like a cat would when they want to greet you. I pulled my arms together, closed my eyes, told myself, please, I don't want to see anything, especially here, and not now. I have this bad habit of energy attaching to me. The light suddenly turned on and the pressure stopped. Stay low and finish up the tour before things get worse. I didn't inform the tour guide of my experience because in my previous history on ghost tours, they start using me as part of the tour. As we walked out of the infirmary, I turned around and I noticed a shadow that ran from one door to the other. There was a small Asian woman in front of me. She jumped quickly, turned around and said, Did you see it? She asked me. Then I realized whatever was in the room was following us. I told my wife about it, and she thought it might be a trick of the lights, but I knew better. Finally, the tour reached the engine room, which is located in the bottom of the boat. This is the area that's closed off from other tours. As soon as we walked in, we heard the scream that came from within the engine room. The scream seemed like it came from a person in severe pain. It almost seemed like it was far away, yet very close, and close enough for us to hear it. It spooked most of the people, everyone including the tour guide. You see, there's only one way to get in and out of the engine room without other people seeing you. The tour guide called the security to make sure no one else is in the engine room, and the security guard replied that no one is allowed down there without permission and the key to get in. So the security guard decided to join us. The guide decided to ask the spirit for a sign, and three seconds later we heard the scream again, followed by a bang on a pipe. The security guard went ahead and looked for the possible origin of the sound and found no one. By this time, I took a picture and I captured the man, a man standing in the shadows. I'll attach the picture to an email. The last part of the tour was actual engine room. Inside the engine room, it seems a bit darker than the other areas. The tour got way scarier. Some people decided to leave the tour. The guide pointed to a small bridge that leads us to a small cabin-like utility room of sorts, but for this story, I'll refer to the room as a cabin in the middle of the engine room. The bridge was about four feet wide, made out of metal with metal railing. So every time you walk, you can hear your footsteps. The only illumination was from the guide's flashlight and people's cell phone lights. We walked across without incident and reached the cabin. Went inside and explained that the cabin is supposed to be haunted. We had a quick seance. 
Nothing happened, so we walked back and noticed we were missing several people, including my wife. I looked all around. Everyone in the group seemed to be missing someone. The tour guide and I decided to go back and look for the missing people. As we walked in the dark with only our cell phone lights because the guy decided to leave his flashlight behind. Suddenly we heard heavy steps behind us. We turned and flashed the lights towards the direction and nothing. I felt a dark energy in the area. Then suddenly we heard steps in front of us, so we called out, Hey, is anyone there? And nothing. Then we heard someone behind us again. We started to panic. We ran a bit and finally reached the cabin. Inside the cabin, we found my wife and the missing people. My wife hugged me and asked if the animals are gone. I noticed everyone in the missing group was visibly shaken and scared. One lady was crying and no longer wanted to go on the last part of the tour, so her husband took her home. We all walked out and met up with the rest of the group. I asked my wife what happened, and she explained that a man in the group led them into the cabin and started to perform another seance in the cabin. Note, previously the real tour guide had performed a mild version of a seance without anything happening. He waited for the rest of the team to leave, and then he guided a small team to the cabin to participate in his seance. During the seance, they suddenly started to hear loud knocks all over the cabin. My wife thought it was part of the tour, so they went along with the seance. When they started to call on the spirit, they heard people running up and down the bridge, and they started to bang on the walls and doors. They heard an animal scratching and growling outside the door. An older Hispanic man opened the cabin door, and he said he saw a huge animal and closed the door. Don't open the door. There's a huge creature outside. And they started to panic, and suddenly the door opened, and it was me and the tour guide. My wife said they all looked at each other in disbelief and walked quickly to join the main group. The guide turned around to look at me. You heard that, right? He asked me. You heard someone was chasing us. I said yes. After the tour ended, I spoke to the older man and his daughter that witnessed the seance in the cabin, and I asked him what happened. He explained that they heard scratching and growling, and he thought it was a raccoon. So being a macho man, he decided to open the door. He said he saw a big creature with red eyes. According to the man, he knows what a raccoon looks like, and that was not a raccoon. It was something big and vicious that had jumped on top of the cabin. I explained that whatever was running could have been us. He responded with a straight face. No way, man, because the noise came from the left-hand side, not the right. That's where we came from. As for me, I didn't see any animals or raccoons while on the bridge, but I did feel dark energy there. It could have been the same energy I ran into before. The tour guide did warn us about wild raccoons that they have been known to run around the engine room unless they're invisible raccoons. We didn't see anything outside the door. So finally we reached the famous Queen Mary Pool and by this time 80% of the original tour group had left and the only people still with the group was the crazy seance guy and his family, older gentleman and his daughter, and a married couple. <clears throat> we didn't experience anything else after the engine room. I highly recommend visiting the Queen Mary and taking a paranormal walking tour. I was very spooked, and coming from me, that says a lot, and I've seen crazy stuff in the past, so I highly recommend the Queen Mary. I don't remember all the historical details. I really wasn't paying attention to the tour guide, and I was too busy admiring the ship, so feel free to correct me. However, or hopefully one day, you can visit and enjoy the Queen Mary for yourself. But know that the Queen Mary is the real deal. So that'll be a field trip you do by yourself. Oh, come on. No, not going to do that. See, what scares, That sounds like the ultimate trip. What scares me most about some of those ghost tours, and even a little bit of the one that we did in Savannah, was not so much what we might see, but the people that we're with. Oh, like the person who wanted to go lock them in another room and have his own seance? Yes. That's the kind of stuff that scares me. Yeah. Because you're, you're in a dark, scary place. You don't know who these people are, and stuff like that can happen. I'm uh, I'm wondering why they didn't kick that guy out of the tour at that point, going, uh, I'm sorry, sir, no personal seances on this tour today. 
Or if that's like one of the rules now that they post, like, no, you can't perform your own seance on the tour. Yeah, it might be. <clears throat> you can only do go along with what the tour guide does. I don't know. That was a good story. Yeah, it was. Another good one from uh, Oscar. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Sam writes in, when I was a little girl, I and my friend would play in the empty rooms of a church her mom cleaned on the weekends. One day, we were in one of the side rooms that connected the church to the house next to it. We heard footsteps approaching and looked up, expecting to see the pastor, one of his family. No one was there, yet the phantom steps continued. Suddenly, I saw a shimmering, misty shadow passing by the wall directly in front of us, which stood there frozen until it was gone. My friend looked at me and told me she heard distinct moaning come from coming from whatever it was we were seeing. I never saw it again, and the once peaceful atmosphere of the church I loved was shattered. To this day, being in that church gives me the chills, and I refuse to be anywhere in that church alone. Thank you for taking the time to read my story. I hope to submit more in the future. I wonder if it was a bad spirit, or just seeing a spirit in the church ruined it for her. I don't know. I mean, I would I'd be kind of feeling, I think if I see anything in a certain building, it's going to ruin the building for me. Yeah. Good or bad, I'm be like, yeah, I don't really want to run into that again. Yeah, you know? Yeah, I know. I don't know. I just wonder, being that it was a church, if it was something that, you know, maybe somebody that just missed being in their church. It could very well just be something like that. You know, churches are an interesting place. I've felt, I don't know, I've been in several, and there's some where I really do get a weird feeling in, mm-hmm. and some where I really just feel completely at peace. And just, you know, friendly people. I don't feel weird. I don't feel creeped out or anything like that. But there's been some where it's like an uneasy feeling. Yeah. And it's not like a good, like, not like, oh, old grandmas are down here, you know, making ghost cookies. It's like, what the hell happened here? Why is this this weird, you know, uneasy, ang- it's anxiety Does feeling. it have anything to do with the age of the church? Um... Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say the ones, you know, and, and maybe it's just psychological then for me, just with an older building. But yeah, I'd say the ones that, that have been kind of creeped me out have tended to be older than the ones that have not. Okay. Um, and I'm just trying to, I mean, although like the, the Lutheran one that I went to, for the most part in my uh, in my hometown, doesn't creep me out. And that's, there's parts to that that are pretty old. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one, I just, I get a very un, fine feel. I don't feel uneasy or weird or anything there. But uh, one that we had gone to before that, it was in a different building. Um, that one, I felt a little bit uneasy. I don't know why they had a weird, it, it was older. They had a basement that was a little more, I guess, non-welcoming, if you will. Okay. Um, I don't know. It's it kind of got weird vibes in the other one. And they were both, you know, if you just look at them aesthetically, they weren't, like, creepy looking. Uh-huh. They just, you know, one gave off a vibe, the other didn't. I don't know. I don't know either. It is what it is. To each building their own, I guess. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Joining us, uh, Gary Michael Vasey. He's a best-selling author of books, books and uh, stories and topics of uh, metaphysics, the occult, and the paranormal. Pretty much the stuff that we talk about here on this show. He grew up experiencing ghosts, poltergeists, and other strange and scary experiences. Uh, Gary, thanks for joining us. No problem. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, you uh, first reached out to us with uh, some information. You actually you, you shared a story with us uh, not too long ago. Yes. That's correct. The story was called Medium, and it was about the time that uh, I went to a, a spiritualist church for a demonstration of clairvoyance. Mm-hmm. And um, I must have been about uh, 17, I guess. And uh, I, was, I was about the second or third person that the medium pointed to. Mm-hmm. And he gave me a message about uh, having a motorcycle accident or taking care with my motorcycle. And um, after that, he asked if uh, I could stop by the following day for a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. And uh, being a young man and uh, full of my own self-importance and self-value, I expected him to tell me something of, of great import. And of course, he didn't. It was rather a boring afternoon. But he did tell me that one of these days I would write and that uh, spirits would write through me. Mm-hmm. And so when I finally had the motorcycle accident, um, 
it brought back the memory and I, I remembered that uh, one of these days I would write. And of course, for the last uh, 15 years or so, I've been writing more or less for a living. So it definitely came true. But um, when you read when you read the story and you had I, I listened to the discussion that you had afterwards, it uh, it made me think that uh, a little bit more background might might be of interest. Yeah, I would love to to hear a little bit more because I know you said uh, you've had paranormal experiences as a child growing up. Would you like to share some of those with us? Yeah, well, I I um, I had a very interesting childhood. In fact, uh, one of the first memories that that I have is of being shot by a little blue man that jumped out of the mirror of the cupboard in my bedroom. I was about two or three years old. It's one of my first memories. Um, my father came running up the stairs because he and my mother heard the gunshot. And I told them that a little blue man had jumped out the mirror, shot me, laughed, and then jumped out the window. And it got stranger from that point onwards. There was a, a lot of poltergeist activity. Uh, I was awakened one night uh, to the sight of a, a, a ghost cavalier writing at a, a desk that didn't exist. And my brother saw it as well. So it wasn't just me that experienced some of these things. It was the whole family, unfortunately. Let's go back to the little blue men for, for a couple of seconds. How, how did your parents react when that story was brought up? Well, you see, my father's mother was a medium. Okay. And he remembered as a small boy, his mother introducing him to her guide. And of course, he and his young brother were terrified when she physically changed into a Chinese man in front of them. The going back to you said, was it was it your mom, your grandma that would have that did the change in the transformation? Yes, okay. absolutely. She she physically changed into a Chinese woman. Unfortunately, I never met my grandmother. She died okay. of heart heart condition before before I was born. But uh, she she definitely did uh, readings for the neighbors, and okay. she did the tea in the teacup and and all of those kind of things, tarot cards, etc. And my father has often said that actually there's, there was some uh, gypsy blood uh, in her and that this is where it came from. And it seems to have been inherited by my father. He tried to suppress it all his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, he had to live through my bizarre experiences. Yeah. And um, I was, you know, I was terrified growing up uh, all through college in the books that I've written, there's a lot of stories of, of these experiences growing up and going to college and, and uh, sort of early adult life. And then as you do, I, I got into the rough and tumble of life. I got married, I had kids, I had a job, was commuting in and out of London. Then we moved to Houston, Texas. Um, so I was commuting you know, in, in and out of Houston. And uh, it, it sort of faded away, but the interest remained. Mm-hmm. And um, I was also interested in magic and the occult. So when I finally had gotten the kids to be teenagers, I joined uh, a school for, to study magic. The school was based in the Channel Islands, still is. It's called the Servants of the Light. Mm-hmm. It's led by a very nice lady uh, called Dolores Ashcroft Nowicki, who's written a lot of books herself. And it was a five-year correspondence course. And you study things like Kabbalah and um, legend, myth, meditation, magical techniques, this kind of thing. And it really, it really honed everything down and made me understand. Would you say it was a genetic thing, you think, that, that passes through the families? I think partially genetic and okay. uh, partially interest. If, if, you, if you become interested in something, then you give it your attention. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a really nice book um, out there uh, that I can't remember the name of off the top of my head, but it, it's... Um, it's a sort of prove it to yourself that you create your own reality book. And the lady that wrote it has an exercise where she wants you to basically decide that you will see something mm-hmm. uh, bizarre. And so I, I decided that I was going to look for a bright pink, a fairy pink car. I live in the Czech Republic, and I can assure you I've never seen a pink car mm-hmm. uh, in this part of the world. But the day that I decided that I was going to see a pink car, not only did I see two of them, but I also saw pink everywhere that I looked. And you really do find what you expect to find. So if you expect um, to see ghosts, if you expect uh, to see bizarre things, then the chances are you will. 
So then that is essentially it's saying you're not making up, you know, seeing these sort of things. It's not like you're conjuring them out of nowhere. It's just more so like with the pink cars. If you look for it, it's probably already there. You just need to notice it, really. You're giving it your attention. I see. Yes. Okay. And if you if you give it your attention, then you will start to to see and and to have experiences. There's no doubt at all about this. And there are any any number of different ways to explain this. Um, one is just that you're giving your attention to something and it's jumping out at you. It was already there. You didn't notice it before. Mm-hmm. But another one is is to suggest that we create our own reality through attention and imagination. And so if I if I give something my attention, I create it. I make it happen. Okay. I, I prefer to believe in the latter because there's a good deal of evidence uh, coming through from various uh, branches of, of physics, quantum physics, and also psychology and, and other um, scientific medical type uh, studies that would suggest that this is the case. What would you say, though, to some ghost hunters out there? Because obviously most ghost hunters are not like what we see on Travel Channel. Uh, There's a lot of folks out there who are out there trying to hunt ghosts, trying to look for them, and the real ones that don't have a camera following around them. uh, More cases than not will tell you, and I'm sure you've heard this, that we've been doing this for years and have yet to ever find anything. Um, It's very simple. Okay. They don't expect to find anything. They don't believe uh, in ghosts, and they don't expect to find anything. And they they go out with a debunking attitude as mm-hmm. opposed to an acceptance attitude. I don't know. I mean, I have I've, I've talked to several folks who uh, I'm going to disagree with you there. I've talked to several people who who want to believe in these things, yep. and I think you know I think they do. Um, and a lot of them are not necessarily out to debunk. They're out to explain. Uh, you certainly are right. There is certainly a facet of them that are out there with strictly to debunk yeah. attitudes. But I've had several I've talked to that are, are quite the opposite. They they believe they want to try and capture something, but they never have it occur. Is there something that they're doing wrong or 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 does it does it also possibly take a certain type of individual um maybe a certain sense uh, on an individual a sensitivity to to pick well, these things up or can anyone get it i i think probably a little bit of both i i still think that even though they want to see a ghost inside deep down inside they really don't okay uh, and this is this is that psychological thing where you think you want to be rich, but deep down inside, you really don't want that experience, and therefore you never become rich. It, it's part of that cosmic ordering system theory that you really, you really have to really want it deep down inside, which is why you do a lot of self-convincing and talking to yourself and in psychosis and meditation and this kind of thing to, to really convince yourself all the way through from the inside out that you want something to happen. Because even though you may consciously think that you want to see a ghost, if unconsciously you don't, then you will not. But the other side of it is the more that you meditate and the more that you um, learn certain techniques to see things that other people might not see or to sensitivity or psychicness, Mm -hmm. I think there's also an aspect of that as well. And you can train yourself to be psychic over time. Okay. Um, To kind of open yourself up more. Yes, just like I trained myself not to be psychic over time because I didn't particularly want to continue sure. to see, see these things. Okay, okay. What uh, Was there ever a, a period where you just said, okay, I mean, obviously you said you trained yourself not to, to see these things. Was there an event, I should say, that, that just that scared you so much that you said, okay, I'm done with this? Uh, yeah, there was a couple. Uh, one, when I was at college and I would come home to the family house for the weekend, uh, I would literally have to go out to the pub and get drunk in order to sleep in the house because it, I was convinced the house, it was something about the house as opposed to me. Mm-hmm. And I came home and I was sleeping on my brother's bedroom floor and uh, I more or less passed out from, from six or seven beers. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I heard the front door open. And I thought to myself, you know, you know how you go from uh, quite woozy and sleepy to wide awake and every every fiber in your body's on edge. I, that was what happened to me because I'm thinking, well, hang on a minute. I locked the front door. I'm pretty convinced I locked the front door. 
And I, I was sat there. I could hear footsteps coming up the stairs. I could hear sighs and groans as this entity came up the stairs. I heard it get to the landing and I saw the bedroom door start to open. And I don't think I've ever screamed as loud in my entire life. And again, my father was right there. He had heard it as well. And uh, we, we sat together for a while until the house settled down. But there was definitely something uh, coming up the stairs through the front door and into my bedroom. And it scared the pants off me. Did you, have, did you consistently have the same type of entities making themselves known to you? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, def- definitely uh, a series, a series of entities uh, that made themselves known to me. Were they? Were they? Would you f- classify them as as being human at one time, or were they something darker? Uh, I'd classify them as being something human at time, uh, as opposed to being demonic. Yeah, okay. because uh, one of them was a was what I called the skeletal priest. And uh, he appeared as a Roman Catholic cardinal, but with a skeleton for a face. And okay. um, I'm convinced that that was, was a ghost as opposed to some evil force. It was a malignant mm-hmm. uh, type type of entity, but it wasn't, in my opinion, it wasn't demonic. The, the second event that scared me was, well, actually, there was many of them. But the, the second one that I can think of um, scared me because it impacted people around me. And that was... When I went off to Glasgow to do a PhD, um, and I was again staying in digs, and I was broke, you know how students are broke, especially 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I shopped in a, in a second-hand clothes store, charity store, mm-hmm. and I saw a very nice jacket, very smart, very nice. I thought, yeah, I'll have that, um, just a couple of quid. So I bought the jacket, and uh, I wore it that night, and... Uh, during the course of the evening, with with my the, the woman that was eventually to become my ex-wife, um, I started to behave quite differently. And uh, by the end of the evening, I was completely possessed by some other some other person, to the point where she had to slap me across the face. And uh, I immediately understood that the jacket still had the personality of its previous owner and I was taking on the personality of the previous owner and he wasn't a very nice individual he was a bit of a drunk and a anti-woman sort of person so I got rid of the jacket I threw it away in the trash as far as possible and I never bought secondhand clothing since <laughs> let me ask you I mean how how does something like that happen do you have any insight into that would the, something traumatic had to have happened with the person who wore the jacket would it just be frequency of use of the former person with the jacket why would that person's personality be with that jacket I, I think it's just frequency of use the person the person emanates and you know you emanate an energy field mm-hmm. that energy field um, is absorbed by your surroundings particularly your clothing if you have a fairly negative outlook and disposition on life and and spend a lot of time drunk then it's out of control and it's absorbed by that clothes and then if, if you're sensitive which I was and probably still am. Um, well, I know I am. You can pick up on on that. And in this instance, uh, the haunted jacket, I called it. I, it's, again, a, a short story that's in one of the books. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it disturbed me more because it threatened somebody else, not just me, but it threatened somebody else through me. Would the person who owned the jacket have to be dead for the jacket to be haunted? Or could that person just be a, essentially a real ass, have then donated the jacket, but all that energy that was essentially expelled into it, just be there? And, and you know, they're off wearing new clothes somewhere that, else. That's a, that's a superb question. And I, I think you're correct. I don't think that the person has to be dead. Okay. Um, because I do think, uh, well... Uh, I can take an object. I know the people that can take an object and do a reading of the object, um, even though the person who owns the object is is alive and well and kicking. So yes, um, the object can be impregnated with uh, the atmosphere of the person, if you want to call it that, even though they're still alive and kicking. In this instance, I believe the person was dead. Okay, very interesting. But but in theory, then you could your negative energy or one's negative energy, if it's there, could haunt people while simultaneously while you're still alive. You could actually double. Absolutely true. You could torment someone and haunt them with your negative energy. (laughs) But your negative energy is going to haunt you more than it's going to haunt anybody else. Um, because everything you do will be tainted by that negative outlook on life. Mm-hmm. And 
again, if you give negative your attention, then everything you see will be negative. If you give something positive your attention, then everything you see will be positive. And I really, you know, I really do believe and, and all of the books that I've written, whether about magic, whether about whether novels, I've written a novel called Last Observer, and even the My Haunted Life series of three, three books of short true stories, they're, they're all set within the context of what is the nature of reality. We create our own reality. We're all islands creating our own little realities that interact with every other island creating their reality. And it makes for a very interesting and dynamic life. But it's, it's, it's absolutely certain to me that magic is the willful creation of the reality that you want. I have a quick question for you. Um, you have a doctorate, so you're obviously a man of science, and you've also had this background so full of paranormal events. How do you balance the two? Because so often our skeptics that we have a, a huge a huge listenership of people that are skeptics that, that want to believe in the paranormal, but they just use the show for entertainment. How do you balance the two? Because they go back to saying, well, there's no scientific proof. There's no science behind it. And you either you know it and you believe it or you have this mentality that you have to have something scientifically proven to believe it. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a wide range of things to think about there. One is, is again, if, if you're if you do not want to see something or do not believe in something, then the nature of reality and creating your reality means that it won't happen. And, and, and if you need scientific proof of something um, and you can't, you, you're, you're always, you know, um, doing the James Randi thing, then you will never find what you were looking for because you, you'll keep on perpetuating the reality that you're creating. And this is why sometimes psychics and magicians, and I don't want to make excuses for bad ones, but this is why sometimes psychics and, and real magicians will say, I can't do this because these people don't believe. Uh, it's because you need to give it your attention. You need to believe it and you need to create that reality. The fact of the matter is, is it would be pretty damn boring reality if if there wasn't a glitch in the matrix that one or two of us got to see occasionally. That's very true. That's very true. I wonder how much of the glitch is what we call ghosts and, and the paranormal. Gary, thank you for talking with us today. Website's GaryMVasey.com, V-A-S-E-Y.com. And of course, we'll have the link up on our website. You can check out his books and uh, some of his other stuff uh, on uh, on the website. Uh, also, the link, like I said, through our website at RealGhostStoriesOnline.com. No, thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks a lot. There you go. Interesting, uh, interesting food for thought, if you will, on uh, some of the paranormal with, with Gary there. I like everybody having a different point of view. And that was, you know, several points that we'd not really discussed or thought about. Yeah, at least not in depth. No. You know, I think some of the stuff we talked about, we've, we've kind of hit on here and there, but he really kind of extrapolated onto it uh, to a different uh, level. So it was very interesting to hear his takes on it. And of course, this makes us all walk away uh, on, on not understanding this uh, even more. So... <laughs> That's our goal, to be more confused. Exactly. It's a show that makes you more confused about ghosts. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Uh, if you uh, like the show, please uh, press subscribe, support the show, become an EPP extra podcast person. Five bucks a month keeps our show on the air, and you get a free bonus episode every single week when you do that, and instant access to all 23 of those bonus episodes that are already up there. You do that at realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.